You're listening to the Future Tech Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies such as artificial intelligence, stem cells, 3D printing, gene editing, Bitcoin, blockchain, the microbiome, quantum computing, virtual reality, and exploring space are much closer than you might think. In fact, many early versions of these technologies are in play right now, and the companies that are using these technologies are the focus of this podcast. My goal for you, the listener, is to learn from these podcasts. You may very well learn something that may change the course of your life for the better, steer you towards a new career, or give you insight into addressing a thorny medical problem. Remember, this podcast and its content is informational in nature only. No medical, tax, legal, financial, or psychological advice is being given. If you enjoyed the podcast, please listen, subscribe, like, and tell your friends about it. Thank you. Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with the Future Tech Podcast. I have Mark Fisher Colby. Yeah. Um, he's with LabSite. The web is labsite.com and site is CYTE. Uh, Mark Feng, how are you doing? Good, doing great. Thank you. So tell me about uh, LabSite. What's the premise of the company? LabSite has invented an incredible technology that uses sound to move liquids with extreme precision and accuracy in increments to the billionth of a liter. And because the uh, process of being able to transfer liquids in this novel way is all governed by sound waves, it is able to uh, replicate every single transfer the same way, uh, such that there's uh, such uniformity and consistency to be able to generate much better scientific data and get much better results in a broad range of scientific experiments, ranging from drug discovery to uh, diagnostics. You said you're trying to deal with quantities of a billionth of a liter. Is that right? Yeah, it's a situation where uh, it has that ability to go that type of resolution, if you will. And if you think about science, science is all about continuing to advance precision. And this is really the first time that scientists in the life science community can really control liquids with this type of accuracy. And that's a situation where the traditional methods of moving liquids around are usually through pipettes. Uh, and I was going to ask you, what's have, the lower limit on a pipette? How much can you uh, manipulate with a pipette? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, you know, people uh, feel comfortable maybe going down to uh, not the nanoliter level of a billionth of a liter, but they're comfortable going to uh, the low digits of microliters. And those are, uh, that's a lot more liquid. And if you're trying to run experiments um, with expensive chemistries or with rare samples, uh, traditional techniques just won't work. And because you're in a situation where there are many other sources of error from pipettes, uh, where liquids are in touch with the solid surface and there are variable drops and there's cross-contamination because pipettes have to touch a liquid in order to transfer it. Uh, things adhere to the inside of a pipette tip, like spaghetti sauce on a Tupperware container. And you would think that uh, you, you're testing something but because you're seeing the liquids coming out, but the thing you're testing is actually adhering to the side of a pipette. All those cause so many sources of error where with acoustic dispensing, uh, we're able to completely eliminate that and really provide uh, scientists with an industrialized process that uh, completely revamps their results uh, in dramatic fashion, such that new drugs are getting discovered that would otherwise have been missed. Yeah, that's super interesting. 
what happens to the property of a fluid as you have smaller and smaller amounts? Is there um you cross a threshold into some other regime or realm of behavior? That's a great question. You know, uh, the bottom line is everything that's in contact with a solid surface uh, has chaotic flow. And as you go lower and lower in volume, that chaos increases, uh, such that at the end of the day, you don't really know what you're dispensing because everything that you're uh, going out through that tip of the pipette has such a variable amount of volume that uh, people cannot control it down to that level of a uh, billionth of a liter. Uh, and so this then means that people are now able to do experiments, for example, where they can take uh, cells from a patient who has leukemia, uh, interrogate those cells with drug therapies that are on the market, and look for what drug or combination of drugs will be effective at killing the cancer for that particular patient. And uh, there are leukemia patients alive today directly as a result of the precision and accuracy and the low volume dispense that has enabled uh, doctors to prescribe the right drug or combinations of drugs to uh, cure the cancer of those patients. So that's a new uh, workflow that they cannot do with a standard pipette process because you need more volume of liquid and you're going to introduce so many sources of errors, you can't get a good result from that analysis. Yeah, when do you cross into the realm of what's called microfluidics and what is microfluidics? How does it relate to what you do? Yeah, if you think about it, uh, it really is in the microfluidic regime in the context that uh, you can think of microfluidics as a hardwired architecture. If you think of cables and channels and things like that. And you can think of replicating uh, almost all the things you can do in a microfluidic channel uh, as wireless uh, with an acoustic dispensing capability because you've got complete freedom to transfer any fluid anywhere, anytime uh, from uh, one location to another location with acoustic dispensing uh, that is done in a way so quickly that you can do all kinds of experiments and generate a wide variety of results and outcomes, ranging from drug discovery work to synthetic biology uh, to new diagnostic capabilities. And so it offers a much broader flexibility and you're not chained to having run things through a microfluidic device that's designed for one or two purposes. It, we offer basically a tool that scientists can run from an experiment, say, of doing a, a siRNA screen or qPCR or next-gen sequencing uh, at the drop of a hat. They can shift from one experiment to the next. And so you're not confined to an expensive uh, microfluidic device in order to achieve your goals. So how do you move like acoustically? Like what, what are the steps and what happens? Yeah, it's really cool. It's uh, magic because you put a, a transducer that generates uh, sound energy uh, below a container that's acoustically friendly. It's got a flat bottom and certain characteristics. In this case, it's uh, often a plastic microtiter plate. Uh, and that uh, sound energy is then generated to create a signal where from the reflections back, um, as the sound goes through the microtiter plate and through the liquid and it gets reflected back, uh, you can basically read that data and you know uh, how much liquid's in the well, you know where the top layer is, uh, you get information about surface tension and viscosity, 
And then we're able to dial in just a little extra power that then creates a mound. And then a little extra power has that mound uh, fly off in a completely precise way, like a rifle shot to uh, a container that's inverted above it. And you would naturally think, well, if it's inverted and above it, why doesn't liquid drop back down again? Uh, but the reality is that surface tension is much stronger than the force of gravity. So you're able to affect uh, quite an array of uh, transfers. And you don't have to worry at all about the liquid coming back down again. So you can shoot into a wide range of, of targets of microscope slides or microtire plates or, or tubes or other materials that you want to collect onto. Uh, and then you've got that and you use it for, for your experiments. Uh, so it's a very novel uh, approach in use, and it's been able to, to generate a whole series of new workflows as a result. So the, the it forms sort of like a, a, a droplet that's like suspended. Yeah, and, and that's correct. You shoot a you shoot a, a a drop up, and it hits say the bottom of a microtider plate well, and it sticks there. And it stays suspended there, so you can fill up uh, most of. Uh, all the small microtire plate wells, for example, and you don't have to worry about the liquid coming back down again. And that has huge advantages because, you know, often people are dealing with expensive chemistries and you can shrink down the volume and you can save often 99% of the cost of an expensive reagent to run experiments. Uh, or if you've got a very rare sample that, that you want to test and you don't want to use microliters of the sample, but you want to use a few billionths of a liter, then uh, that's a condition where there are tremendous advantages for, for using our, our systems, not to mention you get rid of all the plastic waste of all the millions of pipettes that are used. So as a consequence, um, our devices are all around the world and at the hands of hundreds of customers. And it started off in the world of uh, what's known as high-throughput screening, for pharma where they're evaluating millions of compounds uh, a month to find out well, what might make a good therapy. So uh, basically all the top 20 pharma have adopted acoustic dispensing, uh, starting off with that initial application. Uh, and now it's uh, you know everywhere in, in the world of genomics and proteomics and uh, interfacing to mass spectrometry systems. And this thing is, turning out to be a, a treasure trove of ability of providing science with a great data that in turn, they'll be able to feed into artificial intelligence with much better results and better outcomes because of the, of the tremendous uh, precision of the data. So in, uh, can you talk about some of the specific applications and why this works and why pipetting doesn't, you know, maybe drug discovery, like what's the difference and why? Sure. So let, let's take a couple of applications. One is um, when people are in, working in the world of synthetic biology, uh, what they want to do is a lot of experiments to uh, replicate uh, a gene that they want to place uh, into uh, bacteria and have that bacteria actually make something. In this context, instead of, say, making beer, uh, which happens uh, through a fermentation process, uh, bacteria can be used to make, make different things. And so the, the process of stitching together a, a gene can be done very, very rapidly with acoustic dispensing, typically taking the time down from 18 hours of the pipette down to three. And then after you put the gene together, you want to validate the sequence of that gene. And then in that context, um, you can now at one one hundredth of the cost, because you shrunk down the expensive chemistries associated with this, you know, run it through a sequencer 
and uh, do it at a much lower cost. Uh, and so those, the, those are applications of synthetic biology. In the world of genomics, where you're doing uh, diagnostic work, for example, and you want to uh, do a PCR process, you can get rid of all the costs of the pipettes. You can get rid of the, again, the expensive chemistries and reagents um, involved in a PCR process where you're looking for a particular uh, gene profile as your diagnostic marker, uh, say a cardiac condition. And so uh, with that reduction in, in volume and increase in speed, it's just a huge savings for, for folks. Um, and the the applications literally run in the hundreds, and that it is a broad scale set of applications that uh, run through up and down the world of drug discovery from high throughput screening to uh, toxicology work um, to uh, animal testing work where now you can uh, reduce the use of animals in, in testing because you can now extract a much smaller amount of volume from from the animal for testing. Uh, so to uh, academic accounts or doing using our systems for research, um, to uh, diagnostic companies. Um, so folks that are, are doing the equivalent of you know, 23andMe, for example, um, that's not one of our customers, but people who do that kind of work uh, use, use ecosystems uh, from lab site. So there's, there's a, literally hundreds of applications that this has been employed for. Um, so again, when the fluid gets to be that small of an amount, does it act differently than normal fluid? Does it tend to act more like a solid or? Or is it changing yeah, properties? Hey, that's, that's a great question. Uh, one of the real advantages of doing things in small volumes like that is that uh, there's a lot of different diffusion characteristics in the context that's almost instantaneous. Uh, so in addition to getting highly repeatable volume where every drop is the same as the next drop, uh, you're in, a, in an environment where uh, you, you don't have to worry about kind of mixing things together um, to get a to get a good result. So uh, that, that's a situation where that's an instantaneous process. And so really what ends up happening is, uh, people are able to completely reinvent, uh, workflows and, uh, do things differently than what they did before, uh, because they're not chained to a pipette. They're not having to take a pipette off the device, either wash it or replace it, you know, again, because the pipette solids are in contact with liquids. Uh, that would then cross-contaminate if you attach it again to another liquid. And so you're in an environment where people can reimagine their workflows. And, and fundamentally, uh, across all these different applications, there, there are, are literally hundreds of publications out there about acoustic dispensing. And in the context that's so critical, there's a stark differentiation between data generated from acoustics versus data generated from pipettes because of this precision and accuracy capability. Okay, very good. So what um, what's your job? Is it just to provide the mechanism of how to do it or uh, the machine and the transducer that does it or to provide analysis yeah, that's, in your lab doing it? Yeah, great. Another great question. So we, we sell the instrumentation uh, to all of those broad customer base. Uh, we also sell the uh, a wraparound automation platform because a lot of people will require some automation for their their high volume work workflows and you know our, our machines are used both in low and high volume uh, but they're able to affect 
uh, for pharma, 700,000 transfers per day to run their experiments. Oh, wow. uh, and so, so uh, we also provide them with acoustically friendly uh, microtiter plate to be able to make the transfers work efficiently uh, and along with service revenue, service contracts. Um, and really what we've done a lot is uh, we started off earlier on in the company's history, we can only transfer one liquid and that's the liquid that compounds are dissolved into, which allowed us to get into all 20 of the top 20 pharma for high throughput screening. And they in turn mandated their contract research organizations to go all acoustics because of the, of the vast improvements in data and the lower cost. Um, and then uh, we figured out in uh, 2012 how to transfer automatically any, basically any fluid anywhere, anytime with uh, understanding how to how to analyze the signals coming back from the sonar pulses to think about surface tension, viscosity, and other characteristics. And so basically now can pretty much transfer anything at will. And if you think about it with a pipette, there, there are things that will come up a pipette or there are things that run out of a pipette or it won't re be retained inside. And all those issues get, get uh, completely dealt with with automatic acoustic dispensing. Uh, with a technique that we call dynamic fluid analysis, uh, where we use signal processing to understand the liquid um, and automatically transfer it without any operator intervention at all. And is there, um, I guess there's less, I mean, do fluids tend to interact with their with their pipettes, no matter what material it's made of, or are there certain materials that are completely inert and don't affect the fluids? Yeah, that's a great question, too. And so a lot of people spend a lot of money trying to do that. Um, but at the end of the day, there's there's about 30 different sources of error with a pipette, and no matter how much money you try to replicate that, the, the laws of physics will just tell you you're going to end up with a problem on just even volume delivery. So I, I really liken it to um, no matter how good you design a propeller aircraft, it can never go supersonic. Uh, so that that's uh, a direct analogy to uh, the limitations that occur and the entire world is trying to miniaturize and the world's trying to get industrialized <laughs> and uh, standard pipette technology is just not gonna get you there no matter how good you make it. And people tried all kinds of different techniques to accomplish those goals, but the laws of physics just won't let them get there. What happens to the body of a fluid when you uh, you know apply acoustics to it? Can you like tunnel through liquids acoustically or create cavities selectively or do other things? Yeah, we're we're in a situation where we're introducing such a low, low, low level of energy um, that for us to, to make the droplet, the energy level is way, way less than what you would do for medical grade ultrasound. Uh, uh, other people, for example, who use sound energy to shear DNA, you're talking much higher levels of energies um, imparted into a, into a liquid. And uh, beyond that, um, there are f some folks who will uh, do sound energy cause bubbles that in turn will have cavitation that, you know, then can get super, super hot. But you're talking massive energy levels compared to what we're talking about for acoustic dispensing. So we can very safely um, transfer cells, uh, DNA, RNA, uh, with, with no impact. Uh, in fact, it's uh, more gentle to transfer a cell with acoustic dispensing than what happens when you go with shear stress through a pipette tip. So uh, it's actually a gentler process than that. Okay. And then um, would, would this acoustic uh, movement of liquid, would it be useful to mix tiny amounts of two different substances 
you know, evenly and efficiently? Yeah, it, you know, the applications just just are uh, really amazing. And part of what we do, and separate from providing the instrumentation, is we, we work closely with people to uh, develop these applications and new workflows uh, for folks. And so, uh, for example, um, uh, we're not just precise and accurate in terms of volume, but we can also uh, basically aim the drop. And so if you want, you can shoot onto a microscope slide again, upside down, and you can spot it with, say, cell media, um, 1536 drops, you know, in an array format. Then you can come back and you can transfer cells into that cell media, and then you can come back and you can transfer a compound into that. So you can run, you know, 1536 mini experiments in, in an array structure on a microscope slide. So this is the type of thing where, where uh, we then do, we have a large applications team uh, that's out in the field that works with customers on uh, creating new workflows. Uh, another example is uh, we've been able to do direct injection into mass spectrometry systems with a few nanoliters of materials. And uh, that's not yet a commercialized product, but um, AstraZeneca have run already uh, 12 million tests uh, using this approach and have had fabulous results. Uh, which is another opportunity to have a complete game changer in the world of drug discovery and diagnostics. So really interesting things can happen when you uh, miniaturize. And really the only effective way to miniaturize um, is with acoustic dispensing. Okay. Well, very good. So what's the uh, best way for people to find out more about what you do and to get in contact? Yeah, if you go to labsite.com, uh, there's a really great website there in terms of looking at the breadth of what we do. There's a lot of great uh, videos, um, a lot of wealth of information around technical notes and application notes. Uh, we've got uh, references to uh, hundreds of publications. So there's really a tremendous amount of data uh, out there uh, as this has been well adopted really since 2004. And one where we're just excited that there are tremendous improvements that have gone on with precision medicine and with this opportunity to treat cancer patients with new drugs getting discovered and, and new diagnostic tools being created that, that are having a real impact. And we're just thrilled to see that. That's great. All right. Well, very good. I appreciate you for, you for coming. And uh, people should go to labsite.com, C-Y-T-E. Yeah, L-A-B-C-Y-T-E.com. And uh, you know, check out uh, the great videos there. That's great, Mark. Well, thank you again for coming. Thank you. Appreciate your time. You're listening to the Future Tech Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies such as artificial intelligence, stem cells, 3D printing, gene editing, Bitcoin, blockchain, the microbiome, quantum computing, virtual reality, and exploring space are much closer than you might think. In fact, many early versions of these technologies are in play right now, and the companies that are using these technologies are the focus of this podcast. My goal for you, the listener, is to learn from these podcasts. You may very well learn something that may change the course of your life for the better, steer you towards a new career, or give you insight into addressing a thorny medical problem. Remember, this podcast and its content is informational in nature only. No medical, tax, legal, financial, or psychological advice is being given. If you enjoyed the podcast, please listen, subscribe, like, and tell your friends about it. Thank you.